0: This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? My guest today is a multiple award-winning columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press and is, in my opinion, one of the finest writers in all of Canada, Double M Melissa Martin. Melissa, welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so stoked to be
0: here. I hope we can maintain that stokeness throughout. When I mentioned on Twitter that I was thinking about doing this podcast and this project, you immediately volunteered to be a guest and said of yourself, and I want to make sure that I quote this right, when I nerd, I nerd hard.
1: Yes, correct.
0: A, that endeared you to me forever. And B, what does that mean? Can you unpack that for me? (laughs)
1: I just, you know, ever since I was a little kid, my dad used to tease me about this, but also indulge it. Like ever since I was a a little child, just like I get into, my dad, I always called them my serial interests, right? Like when I, like I, like when I develop like an interest in something and they're all very random topics, often it's hard to say, like there's probably some general themes, but a lot of it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I will immerse myself in that for weeks, if not months. And like, all I want to do is like learn about that topic, like talk about that topic. Um, And sometimes I do cycle around back to them. Like sometimes I'll go hard on something for a few months and then I'll kind of leave it for like 10 years but then I'll come back to it again. Like I've done that with quite a few things actually, where it's like I come back down the road and like go into it again. So um, yeah, I don't know. I've just always like, uh, the way I dive into things tends to be really like intense but really like serial you know like one thing after another a little bit so I guess that's what I meant.
0: So are there interests that you've had that you cycle back to many times?
1: Yeah uh, for sure like I would say like because one of the biggest themes this is really grim I tend to be really interested in um, like sort of a, a for lack of a word, like, atrocities like that sounds terrible i'm saying this in a very cheerful way which is not appropriate um, but so those will come back to a lot like i've always been pretty transfixed by the um the, the atomic bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki mm-hmm. um, i was really interested in the holocaust as a child and i, I come around to that again pretty regularly I'm really interested in the titanic um interest in disaster in general um mountaineering disasters um, uh various sort of catastrophes um and then there's also like different periods in history um i can be really interested i'll come to probably the biggest one in my life off and on has been i'm I'm really into languages linguistics Hmm. um different theories about language and features of and like grammatical structures of language i'll kind of binge on pretty pretty routinely Um, So those are kind of some of the the main ones, I guess. Um, But it often tends to be like historical stuff, yeah.
0: And I mean, what you're describing are interests that like almost – require you to get involved like you can't just be a casual fan of atrocities like you you, you do have to kind of <laughs> so get into you say
1: it out loud, <laughs> well yeah
0: okay um, no I,
1: I, I agree you can't right like yeah. uh no and and i think um i think you know it's funny like why is it those i I'm, I'm generally really attracted to um trying to understand better stories of like people at the absolute extremes of experience right so the behaviors of people um, in sort of the extremes of experience, like trying to kind of put together, like, what does this mean? in like the grander um, context of trying to understand ourselves as a species, I guess, like you, that's where you find it to me sometimes. Like, um, yeah. So no, you really have to dive into it, especially some of the sort of main historical turning points, like to understand it, you know.
0: Now, how has this, impacted I'll use that word instead of uh, another your writing
1: yeah like I I think it's been I I think that once people know that about me I think they can start to see some of it in some of what I write because um, a lot of times I'm looking for what's sort of the like what's sort of the echo like what's the common human experience that extends past through time you know and Um, it might not kind of overtly express itself in certain ways, but I think that, um, you know, my kind of interest always in, in sort of trying to be, what's the universality of any experience, right? Good or bad. Um, because it's through that universality that we can connect with history, but it's also through that universality that we can connect with events happening right here and now. Um, So I I think that would maybe be the common thread there is that the more I kind of try to understand about terrible events of history or or good events, but primarily terrible ones, um, you know, the more it, um, you know, the more I kind of feel like I understand sort of the the great wheel of history, this great water wheel that keeps turning. And then some of the, like, some of my other kind of serial interests, too, I think play into it in different ways. Like, I think the, like, language, for instance, being my sort of main lifelong one. I think the more you understand language, the more you start understanding how you can play with it. And the more you understand the effect of it. um, Like, oh, God, I can nerd out so long about, like, word choices in English and why to make like you start understanding why you make the word choices you make right and that comes from a a deeper understanding of the language structure and um, like our just even where our vocabulary came from because English is this fascinating beast of a language Um, and also the more you understand other languages sometimes helps you think a little bit outside the box in terms of ways of expressing meaning you can then bring back into the language you're actually working in so stuff like that's fun yeah
0: I never understood English as well as when I studied Latin. Yes. Because I realized like where, where words go and why they go in the order they do. And
1: Latin's fairly regular as is it not? Like, yeah, yeah. that's my, I've yeah. never done a deep study of Latin, but my understanding is like, it's a fairly regular language.
0: It's, it, it's fairly regular. Um, it's, uh, uh, because it's, it, it has case endings, word order doesn't matter, but it, the, the, the case endings tell you exactly what the, the word is intended to do. It's, um, it's really interesting. Right, yeah. Yeah. I can totally see why you would get into that. Well, and but... like,
1: so one thing that's really interesting, and, and, and any sort of native speaker of, of English understands this intuitively, but understanding it into, or like, what am I trying to say? Like consciously I think helps you take control of it. Like one thing I always bring up, um, that's really interesting to learn is like English, for instance, um, a a huge amount of English's vocabulary comes from Latin or comes via French, um, owing to the period of time when the Norman French ruled England. Um, but so one really, so all of these words, a huge amount of vocabulary has been adopted from French and completely regularized in English. They're English words to us, but, Um, Even, you know, a thousand years since the Norman (laughs) French ruled uh, England or first came to England, um, we still have, there is still an element of our cognition that understands the sound system or the uh, of the imported words as being foreign or more formal um, and that still responds in a more instinctual way to the original like Anglo-Saxon words. And, um, as a result, like the Anglo-Saxon words tend to be more familiar. They feel more comfortable. Um, so, uh, there was an old book I had that mentioned this, but, um, it said it's the difference between brotherly love and fraternal affection. Mm. Right. Like which of those two are, you know what I mean? When you think about like, which of those two conjures up more immediate emotion, which feels warmer, which feels, Um, sort of more comfortable, whereas which one feels more distant and more crisp and cold. And so you find that pattern over and over and over again. Um, Another one would be uh, a hearty welcome versus a cordial reception, right? So the first one would be the sort of the the original English-based word, and the second is obviously the French-based word. And again, you see that pattern again over and over again. And again, a native English people understand that intuitively. Um, but when you know what that is, you can start to actually manipulate that a little bit. So it's sort of like, when do I want to be a little bit more distant? When do I want things to feel a little colder, you know, and even if you're expressing the same thing, you want to have this different shade of impact for the viewer versus when do you really want them to kind of feel it a little closely? So, so stuff like that. Sorry, I'm doing it right now.
0: (laughs) It's great. And you speak about it with such passion. I think that's, what's so exciting uh, talking to you is, a, you're you're someone who writes with passion. It is like I could care less about curling. <laughs> but when you write about curling, it is so like it makes me think, oh, like, did I miss something? And then I'll, like, I'll watch it and go, No, I didn't know. It's I don't get it. It it doesn't hit me on an emotional level, but it hits you.
1: You just need to watch more curling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have I have I have played I have curled yeah. once and that was long enough to know that this is a much more complicated game than it initially appears oh, but yeah. I am not skilled enough to do it.
1: Oh I'm not either I'm a horrible. But it's, uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sport. I love it. Yeah. And I'm on a mission to try to like convert as many people as I can just through like loving it enough. Like, let's get more people into this because it is a beautiful sport.
0: You're close, Melissa. You're close. I know. I'm working <laughs> on it. Yeah. With your love of languages, uh, I'm fascinated because there's another passion that you've had that you've, you've talked about on social media quite a bit and that's Japanese culture. Um yeah and, and
1: history, Japanese history too almost more than the culture in some ways yeah
0: talk to me about 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 that interest how did that develop for you
1: it's always really drawn to it which I feel is like almost already stereotypical in a way because I feel like so many kids go through a, like oh I'm big into Japan phase as a kid and I did too it's just always a really interesting uh it's just a place that always seemed really interesting to me like the history was interesting um it, it remains absolutely fascinating to me it's um, it's, it's a very unique, you know, kind of their global historical cultural situation is so distinctive. And I, that was actually where Dan Carlin used in uh, one of his podcasts about the Pacific War. Um, but, uh, distinctive would be the right thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, island nation never been colonized. Um, their language isn't isolate; It's not related to any other language on earth as far as we know. Um, has gone through long periods of extreme isolation like and I mean extreme no one's allowed in no one's allowed out um kind of borrowed things very intentionally from the outside world but then would close itself off to the outside world like very pick you know very much pick and chose what it was taking right Mm -hmm. you get the development of like a just a very um culture is very distinctive in some ways I don't think it's you know because sometimes japan gets played up and sort of western media is this great well and the japanese do it too is japanese exceptionalism right like that they're so exceptional so unlike any other and that's not true um but there are definitely elements to it that i just find really compelling and um and the history to me is really interesting people often assume like i'm a, because i go to japan every year and i'm learning the language and stuff people always assume i must be into like anime or manga and i'm really not like it's it's fine, it's just not my thing. Um, so the pop culture for me, a little bit less, but sort of mm-hmm. like the socio-cultural dynamics, and the history of it, the sort of, the ch- geography of Japan is really interesting. The sort of like greater, oh man, like one thing I just keep working through in my head or wanting to explore is like, there's a really interesting socio-cultural dynamic with them, with, with Japan. Um, just because of the geography of Japan and its predilection for uh, just absolute disasters uh, like natural disasters and then on top of that they're the only country that's gotten nuked I mean just they've been through a lot right so it kind of and that kind of expresses itself in different ways like the majority of the world's active volcanoes are in Japan I think not a lot of people realize that no I I have to go look up the stat but I swear it's something like 80 percent of the world's active volcanoes are in Japan Um, (laughs) So it's That's like, a lot. and they're on all these huge faults, right? So it's like huge earthquake risk all the time, as we've seen pretty regularly and volcanoes and typhoons. And it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a really um, challenging place to live in some ways, but it's beautiful. And so it's sort of like, how does that affect sort of the cultural or social psychology of a people over a really long period of time when, you know, they're in such a, a beautiful and yet um, sort of resource poor and also, uh, I mean, a place where life is prone to being upended by these like massive acts of nature is, uh, is interesting because that works its way into their pop culture too. It's very much mm-hmm. there, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. The history is so rich and I just, I love the idea of of becoming fascinated with a place and Like you you will always be an outsider because I know enough about Japanese culture to know that you will always be an outsider. Yeah, Um, I think
1: that's why I like it.
0: That desire to be the outsider?
1: Well, as you know, I've had this conversation with someone because it's like, um, I think a lot of writers or a lot of journalists see themselves as outsiders. And I think at different points in your life, that can sometimes be a challenge because, you know, especially newspaper journalists, I think are especially like this. Like we tend to be the ones at the at the edge of the party, right? Like the observers, but not the participants a little bit. Mm.
0: Like
1: uh, I always describe myself as socially awkward um, and just tend to, tend to be the ones watching and the ones feeling like we're on the outside a lot. And that can be a lonely place to be, right? Like you wouldn't change it in some ways because I think that's where your ability to do your job comes from is you have to have that outsider view but it is it can be a lonely place and i think especially when i was young i struggled with that a lot like wanting to be more part of everything you know um but never quite feeling that way and so i think what i like about japan is when i'm there i don't there's kind of no expectation for me to be part of anything right do you know what i mean it's like like you it's absolutely true about about japanese culture to a certain extent that um You know you'll always be an outsider and that's fine it's that's totally fine like that they're you know everyone in Japan will be totally welcoming totally polite um you know you can sit down and have some have some drinks you know at the bar with some Japanese salary or whatever you can have fun but you're never they're never going to see you as Japanese right like they're never going to see you as part of their sort of community which is fine so I find it very liberating to go there actually and just be like um, my sort of role as an observer as an outsider is like mutually agreed upon and defined so there's kind of like suddenly there's like no pressure like I don't feel any I feel the least pressure when I'm there the least sort of like heartache about um, wanting to be more a part of things I just feel like oh this is perfect so like I can just sit back and I just be I feel like who I am you know
0: the role is clearly defined
1: the role is clearly defined it's a comfortable yeah. place right and I'm not saying they're being like, Oh, am I missing out? Am I, you know, am I not cool enough to be included? It's like, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm just here. That's fine. I can just sit and watch and that's great.
0: That's, that's fascinating. So not being able to go to Japan right now in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. how are you feeding that passion?
1: Um, I mean, I still, I, you know, I follow all the, I keep up with all Japanese news on social media um, you know watch as much like watch a bunch of japanese tv shows on netflix um i have some friends there that i keep up with um uh, just ordered a new book about japanese world war ii history so i'm getting that i'm pretty excited about um because i'd read i'd read pretty long excerpts of it before but I, I hadn't actually read the whole book so i just ordered it um yeah so you know and then just trying to bide my time until i can you know things are safe to travel again, and
0: then I'm out of here. <laughs> with this, with this um, passion that you have, and this ability to just like focus on and grab on, and and let me just say, I think I'm exactly the same way. Like, I get into something, I read obsessively about it, and then I put it away for a while, and I you know probably go back to it at some point. Right. Um, as a writer, as somebody who is sometimes tasked with writing things, writing about things, Mm -hmm. do you have problems getting into things that you're not all that interested in? Or do you you ever feel like you have to force it?
1: Oh yeah, less now, just because of sort of the, I guess the the, the sort of role that I'm in now at the paper, I guess I I have a lot of freedom to mostly follow things that I believe in. Um, But sure, in the early, I mean, when you're working your way up, oh yeah, you gotta do a ton of stories <laughs> that you don't believe in. Like but like do you have no sort of personal resonance to you that just kinda needs to be done. And that's okay. I mean that's that's fine. Just sometimes it's just stories gotta get done. Um, oh yeah, so I've I've done thousands of those.
0: I'm sure I couldn't pick out which ones. Um, uh, probably
1: could actually. I think you okay. still like, still happens now and again that there's a story that's just like, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this story, and I like, I don't have any particular like, you know, it's not that it's a bad story, it's just not
0: one. That... No. yeah. I I mean, as somebody who does get into that mindset of the like almost obsessive, I'll use the word for myself. I won't apply it to you, but that that need to know more and read and research, which yep let's be honest, in the digital age is so much more dangerous oh, than true. it was when you just needed a library card.
1: Do you remember when Wikipedia was kind of first getting going and it was just like, wow, like all I would do for weeks on end was just Wikipedia holes. like Or,
0: or YouTube. Like as somebody who loves movies and, and, and loves weird TV shows, um, suddenly having unlimited access to all this stuff that I'd been searching for and like going into video stores and, and you know, ordering stuff offline and tape trading suddenly it was all available and it was like a little overwhelming it's taken it it's actually changed how I become obsessive um uh, in a weird way
1: yeah interesting how so
0: um I think in part I liked I liked the diving in in the research and I liked the the almost um I don't know how to describe it that that you know, pioneering aspect of of going out and finding things that no one else could find. Oh, I okay. loved that. I loved going into like old record stores and finding like weird comedy albums that nobody would heard before, or sure. British TV, you know, British comedy shows. And now that stuff's all so readily available. It's almost like I can't. It's harder to get like into the
1: stuff. discovery, right? Like, yeah, okay.
0: The discovery was big. Yeah, that was a big That's part of it. Cool. Yeah. What other things are you passionate about nerdy for right now?
1: My big thing lately has been ancient Roman architecture. It's just so nerdy. I like, I have been out multiple times with different friends in the last few weeks where I've just started like going off on it. And I literally find myself saying, and then the like, what do you know about Roman concrete? And they're like, uh, and I'm like, oh my god, sorry, this is really embarrassing. I need to stop talking right now. Like, um, yeah. So as
0: soon as you are able to leave the house in a pandemic, you inundate your friends with questions about Roman concrete.
1: Well, not really questions so much as like a soliloquy about... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I got well, really exactly. I'm so stoked about it. Let
0: me pontificate about the subject, but I understand that feeling so well. <laughs>
1: oh, it's so brutal. Like, And then it's just like, what do you do when you run out of friends? You want to hear about ancient Roman concrete. I don't know. There's nothing like. Yeah, I got really into that. Like probably about two months ago, I like binged watching it. There's this really great Yale. It's actually ten years old, but it's an entire Yale videotaped course from an um, like an architecture class where this Mm. one Yale professor taught this whole class on ancient Roman architecture. So I got really into that, and. yeah and and kind of i'm still picking away at that a little bit actually like yeah I'm super into that right now and it's not it's not so much i have any great interest in architecture but i have a really i'm always really transfixed by um like connecting old um, forms to like the modern day and um and uh, yeah so that so that would be like probably the biggest one i got into What's like, like this week I've been pretty low on stuff like that. I haven't really, I don't really have a fresh one coming on because that's kind of at the tail end right now. I don't have like a super fresh one right now, but I've been really busy with work this week. So Mm -hmm. I haven't really, my mind hasn't had time to like really like. You know, grab on to something new, but I'm sure it's coming. It needs the right, needs the right trigger. There will be some. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you mind doing a quick question and answer?
1: I'll do any yes. questions. Like we can. All right. We can keep this going for as long as you want. Like I am okay. here. Let's go in. All right. Let's
0: do this. What is what is some of the earliest things that you got into? I'm fascinated by this. I'm fascinated Ooh. by the progression of Melissa's interest
1: i mean as a child it was sort of the obvious like your standard child phase was definitely like archaeology dinosaurs titanic um i got really into the second world war really young actually (laughs) like i was about nine and i got really into yeah the second world war overall and um i started i took out um when i was about nine or ten i took out rise and fall of the third reich from the library and my parents are my mom was just like great
0: um yeah giant book home oh
1: so so, well they were used to it by then because i was like a pretty i was a relatively advanced reader so that was not uncommon for me to bring home these like ridiculous tomes that were probably (laughs) like you know but i read them um which probably explains a lot about the way I ended up to be honest like uh you know my parents have like checked that little box at the library because I don't know what it's like now but at the time they had to like check a little thing that said I was allowed to take out any book because or if I was only restricted to like the kids section and I was such an avid reader um that they let me take out any book from the adult section without parental guidance and man I went nuts on that um so yeah, so those would be some of the early ones. I was really into um, animation for a long time, like hand-drawn animation. That was actually like, I was really into that. And I still have, um, I still have uh, gotten a box of some of my old childhood stuff lately. And I still have some old stuff related to that because my dad really indulged me with that. Because um, at one point I really wanted to go to, I wanted to become an animator, like a Disney animator. Um, I had like a light box I would do little animations like I'd already like I wanted to go to California Institute of the Arts where all like the big Disney animators went at the time. Uh-huh. But it's good I didn't go because now it's all like computer animation and that doesn't that doesn't interest me as much as the old hand animation did. Um so that was actually a really long running one like hand animation mm. yeah. Those would be some of the probably the really early ones. I'm trying to think of what else Popped up in there. Languages popped up in there pretty soon after that. I was like 13, 14. I got really into like, started with indigenous languages and then kind of went from there. Um, Yeah. All kinds, all kinds of stuff.
0: And it's interesting the, the the language thing, I mean, you are such a good writer. You can tell from your writing, you have a, a deep appreciation of the way words work to move the reader.
1: Yeah. I, I try to be, and try to play with it a little bit. Um, I like, I like playing with it. I don't like being too restrictive about it. Um, I like, I like trying to see what you can do with words that causes what sort of emotional effect, even if it's um, using them a slightly different way. Not, it's not everybody's style. <laughs> I actually recently had an exchange of the reader who didn't like um did not care for some of my use of metaphor let's just say that and you know i I just had to say like at the end of the day if that's that's fine but i was like if you prefer writers that don't work like that i'm not the writer for you then and that's okay like i mean i could refine it more absolutely i could absolutely refine my use of metaphor more for sure but i'm not going to stop using it because that's how i like it you know so um yeah, so I spend a lot of time just trying to think of like how can you play with it, like what can you get away with, in especially in like a newspaper writing um, that that works and is too and is and is unobtrusive enough. Like, um, like I use a lot of internal rhyme actually, and I don't know how much people consciously notice, but I really really like euphony. Um, I really like having kind of like a very subtle rhyme scheme going in descriptive paragraphs um, without it sounding too like sing-songy. Like I don't want it to be sing-song, but I want it to kind of get to this sort of like I, want, like, I want people to be kind of hearing sort of a natural euphony in their heads when they're reading it. So things like that is like, I really have fun playing with and seeing what happens. And it doesn't always work, you know? Um, it doesn't always work at all, but you gotta try, right?
0: When it does, when
1: it does, you know, and even the stuff that doesn't work, you learn from, right? So it's like, yes, it's, it's all, it's all trying stuff, yeah.
0: This has been fascinating. I've like, thank you so much for your. That's time. it. That's all the questions. I was like sitting here. I was like prepared. For <laughs> questions. We've been, talk- we've been talking for half an hour. Um, okay, fast four, yeah. four questions. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, one being the least, 10 being the most, how nerdy were you in grade school?
1: Uh, very, yeah.
0: Very? Yeah.
1: I wasn't aware of it at the time. I don't think I perceived it at that time, but probably, yeah.
0: I should probably amend the question. How nerdy were you perceived by I others at the time? I
1: don't know. I don't have a good sense of that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a good sense of, like, how I was perceived by others. That's for sure. I was kind of probably in my own little world a lot of the time.
0: I'm going to speculate you carrying home the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Your classmates thought you were odd. Just
1: It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I just, yeah. I was certainly not aware of it. I was just, you know, you're a kid. You're doing your own thing. I was a bit of a tomboy. Um, played a lot of video games and um, probably Probably I was a complete the, weirdo, to be honest. So yeah, like... I, I was,
0: <laughs> but I love it. Like, I love the, I'm interested in this. It Doesn't matter what people are doing. This is what I'm... Yeah, gonna I do. know. Like, I was
1: never I, particularly concerned. I'm still am not to a little... I'm still not really about, like, what are people think of me for being interested in this stuff? Like, it was never really... That's just not how I, I work. Like, which is not to say I don't care about people's perceptions of me. I do. I think everyone does in certain ways. But that's not a way that I'd ever really resonated with me, you know, so yeah. Uh, high, school, I, high school I was definitely perceived as a nerd though. High
0: school. Okay. And maybe good.
1: not a nerd, but like more of a like a loser would be the better word. Like I was not the cool kid. Like I don't know if I was quite seen as a full blown nerd, but I think I was just seen as like this awkward.
0: Yeah, I um I recently was invited to join a Facebook group for my high school, like just alum. So it's from all years, whatever. And and there's just like a little bit of fear and trepidation of like, I don't really want to know what people actually thought of I'll me. Go
1: for it. No, I'll it
0: just is. assume they assumed I was stu- like a nerd and, and I'll leave it at that. But I don't it's actually. So
1: That's always interesting to see like the trajectories of lives and compare them to how you thought that, how you thought other people's lives are going to be when you're in high school too, right? Like, oh yeah. How, how yeah. different it is. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. My, my, Outsider people watching self is, is very happy with, with being in the group. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the person sharing, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah. Um, what is the geekiest thing you own? Ooh,
1: define geeky.
0: You define geeky.
1: Um, I mean, like I have an original Atari system. Like, would that count? Like, oh, I've got that probably- would count. Oh, yeah, I got that. Um, Actually, I've got all the old, I have an an original Nintendo. I'm looking at them right now. I've got an original Super, I've got all the old game consoles for sure. So like that might be up there, especially because the Atari actually sought out the Atari years and years ago, but um, I really didn't want the original Atari. Do you have a
0: TV that you can actually hook that up to?
1: We can theoretically hook it. I could theoretically hook it up to this one. I just haven't, um, I haven't hooked it up in a while, but as far as I know, it seems to have, I think we have a monitor that works
0: that is so cool yeah, yeah um
1: yeah that's pretty cool and like what else do i have that's i don't know that would like that would maybe be what i define as like geeky because probably like hauling around all this stuff is pretty you know but i did really like my video games, so it's good
0: that original atari was that was a heavy that was a good size good oh yeah
1: it's a pretty solid yeah Yeah. well and it
0: was i'm pretty sure i dropped mine several times part
1: of the reason i won is because i don't think we never actually when i was a kid we didn't have an original atari we had Coleco, so i hadn't really gone and i don't have one of those sadly i would i would like one of them because some of those games like buck rogers that stuff was aces um so yeah so like when i was like 18 19 i was like man i want an atari and i finally found one at some like pawn shop or something years ago
0: well done yeah. that do you have games for it oh
1: yeah i got the whole i got i got all the i got all the classics i got everything you could want
0: that is awesome yeah that I'm proud is... Of
1: it. Yes. i should get that hooked up again actually that would be a good it <laughs> definitely works or at least it worked last time i played it it was used i used to have it just set up on a tv in my bedroom in my previous apartment I just played space invaders like whenever i was frustrated
0: is there something that people think you'd be a geek for that you are not?
1: Well, like I said, a lot of people think I'm into like anime or manga just because of the Japan thing and I'm super not. Um, I think people sometimes think I'm more of like a music or pop culture person than I am. Um, and the music thing, especially because I, used to, I was a music journalist for a very long time and some people still know that. And I think probably because of the look, maybe a little bit too. Um, but I'm really not a music nerd. Like I'm, I love music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like what I like but I think part of the reason I actually um, got pretty bored of music journalism I never really wanted to nerd out over it you know what I mean like it was never I just liked what I liked and I was interested in the people and the culture I was interested in the scene you know and like um but I was never like you were talking about never one of those people I had no interest in going down and like going through old records or you know, I just remember people sit around talking about like what Wilco album was the best and me just being bored to tears. Like, I, I think one thing I find with pop culture is um, like, I like what I like. A lot of it I don't like or I'm not just, not interested in. But my thing is I have no interest in talking about it. Like, I am like, a big Star Wars fan, for instance. Like, um, the joke about me... <laughs> someone said about me once it's totally true they said um melissa doesn't like movies she just likes star wars which is totally true but i don't talk about it because it's like i've just never been like what I, i've never understood like what's the i don't get any gratification out of discussing pop culture stuff with other people like it's just like hey if you like it cool if you don't like it also cool like i'll give recommendations like i'll say like the show is rad like this amazing documentary but I kind of like dissecting it's never you know so i don't get fan culture and i know a lot of your things about that but i've never been able to relate to like fan culture about stuff
0: but in so many ways like you you epitomize a type of fan exactly <laughs> like right. no it, make, it makes perfect sense like i don't get that expression of it but i do this thing like i think everybody's a super fan for something everybody um, And I. yeah and it it doesn't have to be the traditional sci-fi you know
1: oh yeah and to be fair lit. i went through my phases like if you go back on the old Usenet use groups which google has the archives if people knew what my email address was which i'm not going to tell because it was my dad's email address but i was like I was like a diehard poster on Rec Arts Disney because I was a huge like Disney animation fan, right? So I had all this like collections and stuff. So I guess I did do my time and that kind of thing. I were really like ElfQuest comics too at that time. Actually, I still have the entire ElfQuest collection. Um, I should read those again. Actually, that's good. So yeah. So I should say I shouldn't say I don't understand it because I was definitely a part of it when I was younger. Just yeah, lately. But I agree with you. Like everyone's a fan of something, right? It just
0: I'm certainly of the age that, that geek or nerd was a you know, derogatory term usually aimed at a certain type of person who liked a certain type of thing. It's It seems to be reclaimed in some ways as being like, you know, just being a super fan. Sports fans call themselves geeks about sports. Yeah,
1: like well, and I think, I think sort of the, I think social media really liberated people to just openly admit that everybody like has those qualities to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, or that everyone mm-hmm. has that thing and that actually just being really like authentically interested in things is like, is like fun, <laughs> you know? Like, and it's like, it's within reason, like some people take it too far, but.
0: It's not a reason to ostracize and pick on people. Well, uh, it's... <laughs>
1: it's just, it's just some people need to chill a little bit. Like some gamers, oh, yeah. for instance, need to chill. Um, but, yeah, like for the most part, like it, it's a beautiful thing. And so I, I agree with you. it's definitely, that terminology has definitely changed and like the perception of it has changed. But I think it's just cause people are like, kind of like more free to just be like, yeah, I'm really into this. Who else is really into this? And then people are like, Oh, I'm into this too. And it's like, great. We're friends now. Cause that's how you bond. online.
0: Right? And we were, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, at least my experience of, you know, the pursuit of, of the thing is, is kind of, it's different in a, in a digital age where everything's accessible. But I mean, the social media makes connecting with people who like the same things as you so much more easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's, you can build communities so much faster around shared interests that I never could have imagined when I was 15, 16 years old. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's where it's a good, that's where it's a good thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As long as people are good as, and not
1: as long as people are just, Just remember everybody, you do you and I do me and then that's cool. And everyone can like their own stuff.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Where can people find you on social media?
1: Mm, I'm at, um, at double M Martin and that's spelled out like double E M Martin, um, on Twitter
0: and, um,
1: yeah, um,
0: and you are a great follow on Twitter. Thank you. Oh, really. thanks. Like, honestly,
1: ebbs and flows, man. Ebbs and flows.
0: <laughs> I f- I feel like like we have these weird connections. So we both wrote for Uptown, mm-hmm. um, and then I I think we started interacting on Twitter around the Tragically Hip concert. Um, oh yeah, I, that, that was the first time I remember like you responding or or me writing to you and, and oh. responding and stuff. Like that was just like. That was an experience, okay. and um, I can't believe
1: that was like four years ago, was not it?
0: I know, I know. Somebody posted pictures um, on Facebook recently, yeah. memories, and it was came like, up on my know. yeah,
1: it came up on my memories, and I was like, Jesus, I cannot believe it's been that long because it's still that just damn
0: just, memories today,
1: but yeah, oh. yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been fun, and uh, hey, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad I'm glad people like to follow because sometimes I'm like, don't tweet anything for a week, and then sometimes I go on a Twitter bender, but. Thank you so much for the chat, man, and uh, talk soon.
0: Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod, or me on Twitter at MWBoice. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button, and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.